Let's go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word from Psalm 8 this afternoon. Psalm 8, to the choir master, according to the Gittith, a psalm of David. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You may be seated. Let's pray. Lord, help me now as I bring forth this psalm to our church. Help us to hear you through your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be our remembrancer divine, that you would bring forth in our memory what we need to know as a result of hearing this sermon today. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, just to repeat, for a few that might not have been able to hear at the very beginning, I was letting people know I'm Scott Montgomery. I'm a ruling elder here at our church. Our pastor, Charlie, is sick today. He asked if I could preach in his place, and he will hopefully be well enough and back to preach for us again next Sunday, the sermon that he was going to preach today. So we are a bit out of order because of that in our psalms. So I'm doing Psalm 8 now, and he will return to do Psalm 7 next Sunday. So that's just a quick repeat for any who might not have heard before. And so now to really begin the sermon, uh, one commentator that I was reading about this psalm, he was pointing out that this psalm has us look in three main directions. It has us looking first up, then it has us looking back into the past, and then it has us looking forward to the future. And so that's going to be the framework that I'm going to use as we go through the sermon now to look those three directions. So let's start by looking up. First, we look at God, and then at his creation as we look up. So in verse 1, we start off, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. And when we read that in our quick reading that we just did a moment ago, we see his name there twice, O Lord, our Lord, and how majestic is your name. And we may not catch that we do have two names for God here in the original language. We have two names in Hebrew. The first name is Lord with all capitals, which is what lets us know that it's really his name is Yahweh, 
Yahweh, oh Yahweh. And then the second name, Lord, that's not in all capitals, is the Hebrew word Adonai. Probably many of us have heard that name for God as well. So we have, oh Yahweh, our Adonai. How majestic is your name. So let's think about what's in a name. We don't see names like what I'm going to say all that often. But sometimes there are people who have names like Constance, Patience, Charity. And when we hear names like that, we might think, or at least I think, it'd be pretty hard to live up to that name. I mean, what if I'm Patience and I'm an impatient person? I don't live up to my name very well if I'm patience for my name. So we think about that with names, but here's another, here's a what if question. The what if question is, what if our names changed as fast as our moods changed? What if, let's say that Today, I woke up, and when I woke up, my name was cheerful. I've had my cup of coffee. I've said good morning to my wife. I've had my shower. I'm cheerful. But then I get a couple of hours into my workday, and now my name has changed, and now I'm frustrated. And then after another hour goes by, I'm bored. And by the end of the day, My name changed again, and now you would call me grumpy. What if our names changed that fast based on our moods? That would be terrible. I wouldn't want that. But yet we do know that our moods do and can change pretty fast. And that reflects something about who we are. That reflects something about our character. So this first name for God, Lord, in all capitals, Yahweh, it's a name that reflects his character. It means I am who I am. And his character doesn't change. He doesn't wake up cheerful, switch to frustrated, bored, grumpy. He doesn't do that. He's unchanging in all of who he is and what his attributes are. So we can think about that with that first name. And then we think about his second name here. Not only is he unchanging and majestic in his character, he is our our Lord, our Adonai. And this name helps us see our relationship with him. He is in authority over us, and we are in submission to him. So we're we're looking up. We're looking up to our God as this psalm begins. But we're also moving now into verse 2, where it says, Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes, to still the enemy and the avenger. So we have this comparison between 
babies and infants and foes, the enemy, the avenger. So let's ask some questions to verse 2. You ready to ask it some questions? Here's the first one. Who has the foe, the enemy, the avenger here? Whose enemy is it? And you don't have to answer out loud, but the enemy is God's enemy. It says, you have established strength because of your foes. Talking directly to God. So these are God's foes. Okay, next question. Why does God have foes? And answer, because there is sin in this world and there is Satan in this world. Without sin, without Satan, God would not have foes. He would not have enemies. Next question. Well, what is going to still the enemy and the avenger? According to verse 2, the babies and the infants. What's all this about babies and foes? How are babies going to do that? We know that babies are small. They're helpless. They're completely dependent on their parents for meeting their needs. So how could something so small and so helpless still an enemy? Well, let's think about how readers back at the time of when this would have been written might have understood it. It could be a reference to Israel. Uh, Let's think about what Israel was like as a nation. It was tiny. It was small especially in comparison with these empires like Egypt and Babylonia and Assyria. And so even though Israel was not big and it was not powerful compared to those countries, God chose Israel as his people and gave her his favor. He used her to accomplish his purposes. And if we then go on and we think about this psalm in relation to more of the Bible, the rest of the Bible, we could think about how this could be like the church, the church around the world. The church around the world can seem small, tiny, helpless compared to What is going on in the world around us? We can seem as a church like we're weak. So that's the church around the world. It could even seem like this church, this body right here, Hope Presbyterian. We're, we're, we've got a good number here today, but we're generally pretty small, uh, as a group. And we could feel tiny, small, insignificant compared to what's going on around us here. And yet, God can use even us, Hope Presbyterian, to still the avenger, to still his enemies. So there's Israel as a nation. There's the church around the world. There's us here at Hope. These are all corporate, community-level 
ways of thinking about verse 2. But then there's also the individual, the personal level. How can we individually still God's enemies? We do that when we're like babies and infants. What do babies do? They are helpless. They depend on their parents. And when we humbly depend on our God, our Yahweh, our Adonai, he will use us to still his enemies. So we've been looking up. Now we're going to shift our gaze and move from looking about God and who he is and more toward his creation. Verse 3, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? A couple of months ago, I was having breakfast with a friend of mine at Carl's Jr., Great breakfast place that it is. If you've never had their breakfast burger, got to try it sometime. It's really good. Well, he and I were standing outside of Carl's Jr. 6 a.m. They open their doors at 6 a.m. or sometimes 6.05. They're a little shaky on that part. And we were looking out at the sky, and I saw what what looked like a bright star. And I said to my friend, do you think that that's a planet? And he said, I can tell you, Scott. He held up his phone right where I was pointing. He said, that's Venus. And I said, wow, that's so cool. You mean your phone has an app that will tell you that that's Venus? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty handy. So there I was. I was all amazed by his phone, by an app on his phone that I don't have and that I never would have thought to put on my phone. And wow, I should maybe think about getting that app. But I was all caught up in being amazed with all of that. And modern technology. But our psalmist is amazed because of something even better. And he was amazed because of God's handiwork. So let's use our imagination a bit here and remember what David did before he became a king. Does anyone remember? And this time I will take an answer from the audience. Yes. A shepherd. Yeah, he was a shepherd boy. Yeah. And so that means that probably he didn't spend every night in his sealy posturepedic at home. He probably spent at least a certain number of nights out in the fields with the sheep, having many opportunities to look up at the night sky. And if we know who Yahweh is, and that he is our Adonai, our Lord, how can we look at the night sky and see the work of his hands and not be mind, not be amazed that he is mindful of us. So now 
we're done looking up as far as this psalm is concerned. Now it's time to look back, back behind us into the past. And the way we'll do that is by going back to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. If you have your Bible and would like to turn there, I encourage you to. I'll be reading those verses out loud for us. So Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. These verses say, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Do you see some similarities? Similarities there between Psalm 8 and Genesis 1, those verses we just read. One commentator said that Psalm 8 is putting this passage in Genesis to music. We don't hear that music. We don't know the tune of Psalm 8 necessarily. We don't have that music preserved for us, but we know that the Psalms are music. And that this psalm is putting this part of Genesis 1 to music. And in, and in Psalm 8, returning now to Psalm 8, verses 5 and 6, we see two main things about what, what God has done for man. He, he has crowned mankind, humanity, with glory and honor. That's number one. And then number two is that we, humanity, have been given dominion over all animals in the sky, on the land, in the sea. Well, let's think back to the order of what happens in those first few chapters of Genesis. So we just read from Genesis chapter 1, that wonderful plan, crowned with glory, able to subdue and have dominion over creation. Genesis 1, man is created. Genesis 2, woman is created. We have the first married couple. Genesis 3, the fall. The fall into sin. And this is why God has foes, the enemy, the avenger. I mentioned that earlier. And even though we all still have the image of God as humans, we don't live up to all that God created us for, and we cannot live up to it. Our sin gets in the way. It keeps us from showing all the glory and honor that we were designed to show. Or as Romans 3 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It keeps us from having dominion in the way we were created to have dominion. So, that's looking back place number one before Psalm 8, Genesis chapter 1. Let's go one more place behind us. And that would be in Job chapter 7. So again, 
If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to turn to Job chapter 7, verses 17 and 18. This one might not be as much front and center for you as a, a place to look back, but I think you'll see it here as soon as we read these verses. Job 7, 17 and 18. What is man that you make so much of him, that you set your heart on him? Visit him every morning and test him every moment. Job is speaking. He's in the midst of his time of trial, his time of testing. He's miserable. And he knows that God has allowed all of this into his life, but he is struggling. Maybe you're struggling, or you've had a time like that where you feel like there are certain things you might feel like saying to God. Now, maybe you have never said these things to God. Maybe you've never even really thought to say these things to God, but maybe these are things you would feel like saying to God, like, God, why don't you go away and leave me alone? Or what did I do to deserve this from you, God? Can't you just go do something else instead of making my life miserable? Those are pretty close to, I think, what Job is feeling as he's here in Job 7 when he says, why do you visit him every morning and test him every moment? I know I've had some times where I've felt that way about God. Those are things that we maybe sometimes would say to other people, but we may feel those toward God at times too. So Psalm 8 looks at Genesis 1, but it also looks back at Job 7. That verse 17, what is man that you make so much of him and that you set your heart on him? It's very much like what we have in Psalm 8. Verse 4, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? So it has us looking at those places in the past, but Psalm 8 puts things in perspective. It's a perspective that remembers who God is and what he has done and what his purposes are. So we've looked up at God and his creation. We've looked back in the past at Genesis 1 and Job 7. But now we're almost at the end of the psalm. We're getting close to the end of the sermon. We have just verse 9 left, which repeats verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So why did I say that Psalm 8 has us look forward? There's nothing left in the psalm to go about looking forward. Well, it has us looking forward because we know that we do not live up to what it talks about. We know that we don't have all the glory and honor of someone without sin. And we have not lived up to the dominion that God wants us to have. So let's go ahead and look forward to one place in the New Testament which is Hebrews chapter 2. 
Again, if you would like to turn there. Hebrews chapter 2, and I'll be reading verses 5 through 9. Hebrews 2, 5. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. See if you recognize this. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while, lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. So Psalm 8 has us look forward to Jesus, the only human who lived without sin and who therefore did accomplish all that God intended for humanity. Jesus, who is fully crowned with glory, and honor. And even though we don't see everything in subjection to him, we know that day will come. Psalm 8 has us look all the way to the end of time when Christ returns and we do see everything in subjection to him. So what are the ways we've looked in this psalm? We've looked up, we've looked back, we've looked forward. One more place to look. Inward. Let's look inward. Let's think about what this could mean for us. And I'm going to speak to four situations. Maybe you're here today and you haven't been looking to Jesus. You know you were created for glory and honor and to have dominion, but you've been looking to yourself to live up to that. Has anybody ever said or have you ever heard anybody around you say, I got this. We kind of easily live that way, don't we? I got this. Sometimes when we're really nice, we say, you got this. We show our belief in someone else, but I got this. I I believe in me. But that's, that's not what this psalm is talking about. It's pointing us toward verse 2. Babies, infants, foes, the enemy, the avenger, and humbly trusting in God. Independence on him. Maybe you've trusted in God for your salvation from sin. But then you think it's all up to you. Then you think, it's up to me. I need to, I need to be a good Christian. I need to grow in my walk with the Lord and it's up to me. But Psalm 8 continues to challenge us not to do it that way. Maybe you're like Job. You're in that time of struggle. You want God to leave you alone. But God invites you to come to him and let him change your despair into hope. And one more situation. Maybe you have gotten sidetracked with where your wonder, where your amazement is, like me, with my friend, with his cell phone, And my wonder, my amazement was in his phone and in his app instead of having my wonder and my amazement be at 
God who is mindful of us. Maybe that statement that God is mindful of us seems very empty or just normal, like, yeah, yeah, what's the big deal? But may God restore to us a sense of wonder and amazement that he is mindful of us, not only to the point of crowning us with glory and honor and allowing us to actively have dominion, but also that he was mindful enough to send his son, the true son of man. That was the way he wanted to call himself, the son of man, so that he would save us. Let's pray.